from the campus of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, welcome DNA Dan, a podcast on genetics, genomics, and the future of genomic medicine. Our host, Professor Dan Handley, will immerse you in the fascinating world of DNA and genomic medicine. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Hi, this is Dr. Dan Handley, Professor of Genetics and Genomics at Southern California University of Health Sciences. This is a podcast in which we discuss all things related to genetics, genomics, and DNA. In the previous episode, I explained how DNA was discovered to exist and then how it was determined to be the substance responsible for inheritance of traits. That process took nearly a hundred years. Now the race was on to figure out the structure of DNA. It's a rather complex story involving many different scientists. An in-depth account of it is chronicled in James Watson's classic book, The Double Helix. For those who want far more detail, I recommend reading it. It's a fascinating read. Now, on to an abridged account of the discovery of the structure of DNA. Remember that DNA had been determined to be the molecule carrying the information of inheritance. Also remember Chargaff's findings that the nucleotides A's and T's and C's and G's were always found in the exact identical ratios. Now the time is the early 1950s at Caltech in Southern California and simultaneously at Cambridge University in England. Nobel laureate Linus Pauling was at Caltech. He had a student, Max Perutz, who used a technique called X-ray crystallography to decipher the structure of hemoglobin, the molecule in red blood cells that transports oxygen to our tissues and removes carbon dioxide. X-ray crystallography involves taking a highly purified substance that can be crystallized, meaning it can form a three-dimensional regular structure, or lattice. By shining a thin beam of X-rays at a crystal and capturing the X-ray refraction pattern on photographic film, rather complex mathematics can be used to figure out the three-dimensional structure of the crystalline substance made by that pattern on the photographic film. Key to the success of this process is to ensure that the substance under study is exceedingly pure and that it has been prepared in a way as to assume a highly regular crystalline lattice structure. In Cambridge, Professor Maurice Wilkins ran a laboratory performing X-ray crystallography studies. Working in his lab was Rosalind Franklin, who was known for her exacting techniques in performing X-ray crystallography. While Maurice Wilkins made some rather crude X-ray diffraction photographs of DNA crystals, In 1951, Rosalind Franklin produced by far the clearest, most precise images. DNA, as it turns out, has an affinity for water, even pulling water vapor out of the air. This distorts its structure and makes it difficult to study with X-ray diffraction. Rosalind Franklin figured out how to get extremely pure DNA crystals devoid of water, Her images strongly suggested that DNA had to be a helical molecule, like a spiral staircase. Across the pond, as they say, Linus Pauling was stuck on the idea that DNA had to have some kind of molecular spiral backbone on the inside of its structure, with nucleotides lined up on the outside. He also thought that DNA consisted of three long, twisting spiral molecules. 
Back in Cambridge, Francis Crick and James Watson worked together to try to figure out the structure of DNA from the existing evidence. They puzzled over it for months, but it was only when they decided to create a physical model of DNA that they started to make a breakthrough. They asked the university machine shop to make sheet metal pieces that resembled the shapes they believed that each of the four nucleotides that make up DNA had. They also used wire to form what they believed to be the backbone that held the nucleic acids in place. By this time, Rosalind Franklin had moved on to another institution. Maurice Wilkins showed Rosalind Franklin's X-ray crystallography photos of DNA the clearest one being denoted number 51, to Watson and Crick. This was done without her knowledge or permission. In any case, having dimensional information derived from the X-ray crystallography photograph and remembering Chargaff's rules, Watson and Crick devised an elegant solution to the structure of DNA that was consistent with all the experimental evidence to date. In their proposed structure, DNA consists of a double helix, a dual outside spiral backbone made of linked phosphate groups. Attached on the inside were the nucleotides. Adenines paired exclusively with thymines and guanines paired exclusively with cytosines. This allowed for an ordered structure of complementary nucleotides that essentially could go on endlessly. The dimensions fit all the known atomic size and bonding parameters as well as the dimensions extrapolated from Rosalind Franklin's X-ray photograph number 51. Watson and Crick published their findings in a one-page peer-reviewed journal article in 1953. The double helix composed of complementary pairings of nucleotides, often called bases, not only conformed to and explained Chargaff's findings, but also suggested an elegant way for DNA to be duplicated. This explained how chromosomes could be duplicated prior to cell division and evenly distributed to two daughter cells. Being a double helix, the helix would unwind to form two single strands. Each of these strands would serve as a template for the synthesis of two complementary strands. In the end, two unwound single DNA strands would give rise to four strands with the identical, although inverted, order. Each pair of single strands would combine, resulting in a duplication of the original double helix. In this way, the double helix model showed not only how sequences of A's, C's, T's, and G's could form a code, but also explained how the code could be duplicated propagated through cell division, and passed from generation to generation of cells. Like many scientific discoveries, at first many scientists rejected Watson and Crick's explanation of the structure of DNA. However, it soon became apparent that it was a rock-solid model and was eventually accepted by the greater scientific community. In later years, many have said it was among the most significant scientific discoveries in human history. However, the complexity of the discovery process, the rivalry between the famed and prominent Linus Pauling versus the relatively obscure Watson and Crick, and the roles that Wilkins and Franklin played, makes the story very complex. After many years of confirmatory evidence, it turns out that the DNA structure Watson and Crick proposed is correct. For decades, and even now, the AT, 
CG base pairing scheme in DNA is usually referred to in textbooks as Watson-Crick base pairing. More recently, more publications refer to it as Watson-Crick-Wilkins base pairing. Now giving Rosalind Franklin more credit for the role she played, it's more common to be called Watson-Crick-Wilkins-Franklin base pairing. By the way, I think it's interesting to point out that the discovery of the structure of DNA was not the product of the so-called scientific method taught in high school science textbooks. Rather, the discovery was a convoluted, piecemeal process involving many people with different talents, knowledge, personalities, and motives. Watson and Crick used their intuitions, given the known evidence at the time. They played trial and error with a makeshift metal model, not unlike a child's tinker toys, if you know what those are. In any case, the point is that there was little methodical about the discovery process. Skill, competitiveness, intuition, luck, playing with physical models, and many would say skullduggery, each played a major role in the discovery of the structure of DNA. In the next episode, I will discuss in further detail the controversies surrounding Rosalind Franklin and the credit or lack of credit about her role in determining the structure of DNA. It's an important story. This has been a production of the Southern California University of Health Sciences, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. The opinions stated here are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Southern California University of Health Sciences.